At RCR, we're on a mission to revive honest media, to report on critical censored stories, and to hold those in positions of power to account. But to make this happen, RCR needs to grow, and grow fast. For that, we need your support. Our Foundation Members Club is now open. Join us today and play your part in bringing back media you can trust. Learn more at www.realitycheck.radio forward slash members and see how you can join the mission that's making a difference. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Okay, time for Tech Tuesday. Every Tuesday morning here at RCR with Stephen Sykes from... Oh, I've got to come up with a permanent name for this. His, um... Well, I, I was thinking, you know, I'm... Today, I'm visiting the man on the moon because I don't think anyone else goes and visits him. You know, sometimes yeah. people just go and visit people when they've got time. But I thought, you know, man on the moon kind of probably only could do with someone dropping in for a cup of tea and a, and a scone. Okay. You mean, what, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin or oh. <laughs> knocking on your door? <laughs> Whoever's hiding under a moon rock. Buzz probably is the only one still around, I think, which is um, interesting. Okay, so that's where you are and somewhere in Christchurch, and we're here to talk tech stuff again. And uh, as we do now, we start off with questions, comments to 2057 and inbox at realitycheck.radio. So what do we have, Stephen? Got a few to um, a few today to to get through. Um, so Sean writes, "Lovely work, team." This message is for Stephen Sykes. I heard him say that Proton Mail is linked with WEF, which came as a great shock and disappointment. Which email provider do you recommend? Thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. So, uh, what happened around that was that the WEF gave uh, Proton an award for something, and um, and then later on, Proton said. Um, Cool, thanks for that, um, but we're not actually affiliated with the WEF. Um, there are other issues that I have with Proton, and later on um, we're going to get into that. Um, so your uh, message, Sean, has kind of partially inspired some of the stuff we'll talk about later on um, with regards to, to Proton itself. Okay, it's a bit of a kiss of death being associated in any way, I would have thought, with the WEF, even if they sort of singled you out and praised you, you'd be thinking, no, we don't need that. We don't need that. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a, uh what's the what's the term? It's, it's it's like a it's like getting a Christmas or a birthday present you didn't want. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the pointing having the bone pointed at you or or something yeah. like that. It, you you you'd want to disown it immediately. Okay. Um there's that. Any any other feedback to mention? Yes, um, someone was asking, can you ask your guests about the Fairphone? Now, the Fairphone, the design, with the idea with that is that it is a modular-based phone so that uh, phones typically get damaged. So you can, with simple hand tools, you know, little screwdrivers, take the thing apart yourself, um, say if the USB port gets damaged, you could get another one, take the phone apart yourself, swap out the broken one, put in the new one, screw it together, and off you go. Um, same thing with the screen or anything else like that. So it's designed to be repairable. And the other thing uh, with it is that um, they call it Fairphone because they've tried their best to um, source components and materials that um, people who who build 
um, these components of getting a fair uh, fair wage, like fair and, coffee, fair trade fair, coffee. Yeah, it? it's like it's like that, and also that uh, other materials don't come from um, areas where there's conflict. Um, for example, um, and we talked about this right. a, a while ago um, in the the DRC, the Republic um, Democratic Republic of Congo. Where are they Col- democratic? The DRC. I've, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's up for another well, they, another day. North Korea calls themselves the Democratic Republic of North Korea. I wonder. I'm, they they yes. Yeah, okay, so that's where they mine that what coal, rare yeah. earth metals and stuff to make all this stuff. Yeah. For um, well, coltan's made in the manufacture of tantalum capacitors, which is virtually in all electronics and has been for many decades. Um, so the sad thing is, when they mine that sort of stuff, they kill gorillas, um, and the the usual slave labor involved. So that's what Fairphone is. Uh, it does come, and I think the underlying question is, um, is it a de-Google phone? And no, it's not. Right. You can you can de-Google a Fairphone, but the cheapest phone, I think, is, uh, was it 700 or something euros? So by the time you uh, pay New Zealand dollars, and then if customs um, get you with GST on that, you're looking at a phone that's 1300 1400 bucks. That's not very it. fair. Yeah, that that that's uh, that's not cheap. I mean, for that much money, you could get three secondhand, two maybe three secondhand phones of Trade Me and de-Google those. Yeah, for the same amount of money, but okay. that's the kind of way it is. But you'll be you won't be able to sleep at night though, because where did the innards come from? You know, you'd, you'd be asking yourself all these awkward questions. And if you ask yourself those sorts of awkward questions about quite a lot of uh, stuff, I, I think you would never sleep again. Or have no appliances. Or have no appliances and just give up on anything that operates on electricity, period. Yep. Okay. But, um, so no more toast in the morning unless you're doing it on an open on an open flame. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how the smoke detector is going to react to that. Well, they run on electricity, even though they are battery. Um, I just mentioned that. I've had a few occurrences where I am, um, well, once here, but also at a, in an apartment of Auckland, in Auckland, where the smoke alarm went off and there was no smoke. Yeah, I've I've had that too. I don't know what causes that. It's some, because I read up about it, because I, okay. I thought, oh, you know, what's this? This is strange. Mm-hmm. This is weird. Gives you a bit of a fright, actually, especially in the middle of the night. And it's some, they use some... Um, uh, atomic kind of uh, um, molecular thing uh, process to detect the smoke. It's quite it's quite involved. I can't record it off the top of my head, but uh, like I say, well, you know what it's like when it happens. You know, it's it gives you a fright. It's like being haunted or something. You know. Yeah, I mean, they are designed to get your attention. They do. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got to get up and try and undo it. And when you're in a bit of a panic, it yeah, whatever. Okay, any more from our Tech Tuesday listeners and fans? Yeah, um, Rosa said, um, great tech talk. I switched to Brave over six months ago. I also turned my phone off at night or else Wi-Fi and Bluetooth at night to cut down on my admission. So good on you. It's uh, it's easy to um, pick some low-hanging fruit like that, turning off your phone and Wi-Fi and other stuff at night to reduce your EMF exposure. And then, you know, when you've, when you've picked... Uh, when you've achieved those easy things, then you can start 
taking on bigger things like, okay, well, maybe I'll just give up Wi-Fi entirely and just use Ethernet, plug my phone and laptop into that and yeah. can not have it at all. Yeah, we've um, <clears throat> done a bit of coverage late last week on EMF and uh, and 5G. Mm. Um, yeah, um, I think more and more people are moving away, well, from the browsers that are less secure. I, on my mobile phone now, I'm, I've got Brave. And I use yep. that. I, I find it quite good. Yeah. Well, you need to do something about the operating system now. Yeah. Well, I knew you'd come back with something like that. Which reminds me to ask: Do you ever get rid of Gmail? Um. <laughs> uh, um. Could be. Could be. Might be. Oh God! You know how it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I can't claim to be any. Hero in this, if, if I'm still on Gmail, I get that. Yeah. Mm. And, but I don't claim to be. See, that's the other thing. No, this is true. But so, at least I know and I, I'm empowered. So I've got no excuse, really, I suppose. Okay. Thanks for reminding me. Anything um, else? You're welcome. Uh, Donna writes, Paul, tragedy of processes right. New home phones are useless as they don't work without power or Wi Fi. So useless in emergencies. So why do they sell them? Fraud, I say. Well, no, I don't think it's fraud. I think it's just convenience because before, um, I mean, while we were still on on copper, you know, they thought, okay, well, let's sell people um, miniature cell phone towers and we'll call them cordless phones. And then people bought them and, and they will require power. I mean, if people didn't buy them, then they wouldn't have kept making them. And if if they were very unreliable, they'd have a tr- they'd have trouble selling them. Um, I think when it comes to landlines at home, and I'm using my father as an example. He's over ninety now. He still you know he still takes phone calls and things, but um, he feels a lot better with a landline or what he calls a landline than a mobile. Mm. And I explained to him that um, it's kind of not like the old landline. The fact that it's got the you know the the dial code and then the the number he's always had. Yeah, that's what he wants. I think it's what he wants because that's what he knows. Yeah, well, that's the point I'm making. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit there and try and persuade him to do something else at ninety plus. Mm. But I think a lot of older people um, think like that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I and and I think that's that's certainly a generational thing. Yes, yeah. what you know a little bit because they're so quaint now. Um, landlines, I see you know advertisements sometimes, and they've, they've got a landline number. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's, they've still got landlines. Yeah, yeah. Um, we used to say in radio ads, you know, uh, we always used to give the number at the end, like call, call now. Da, da, da. I used to think no one's ever going to be able to remember that, but mm. maybe they didn't <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, so once those old folk are gone, I think um, that'll be it for landlines, won't it? They'll fall off the edge of a cliff, surely. Uh, yeah, probably, and, and there won't be too many of those. That said, I still have a landline myself. Okay. <laughs> and I've got quite a lot, quite an awful, uh, quite a few decades to go before I'm falling off anything. Right, so why do you stick with it? Uh, why do I stick with it? Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it's it's not on a copper line, clearly, because I'm on fibre, but it's... Yep. Uh, why do I? Um, I Better quality? I can't properly answer that question. I think it's more like if I'm going to give out a phone number to someone, I'll give out a landline number. Okay. Yep. I, I get the sense of that. Yep. 
And if I'm, there's no answering machine, so if I'm not there, I'm not there. That almost cancelled out your question to me about Gmail. Almost. Yeah, almost, yeah. <laughs> Although it's not my primary form of communication. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Well, not even almost now. All right. Okay, is that the feedback? No, we've got a few more, actually. Oh, um, did we? An- Anton asks, well, could you consider a Huawei? Most people say Huawei, but apparently Huawei it's pronounced. Huawei is what I say. Pronounced, apparently it's Weiwei. Weiwei? Um, Weiwei, yeah. Like, I wouldn't have got that from the H, but there you go. Um, could you consider a Weiwei phone with no Google services, a de-Google phone? Well, if there's no um, Google applications like YouTube and um, Maps and all those other ones, then yes, you could. And actually, de, um, a de-Google phone, that term is a little misleading because the Android operating system is created by Google themselves. But the term yeah. de-Googled means that it's a plain Jane um, vanilla Android without all the Google um, proprietary bits and pieces on top. So what you're left with is um, a, um, a base, a foundation, um, without all the extra googly um, spying bits um, on the top is what that term actually is meaning. Right. Um, you just reminded me, I don't know if I mentioned this before, um, in a previous chat since we've been back, when I was in um, Los Angeles uh, a few weeks ago navigating the freeways, eight lanes going one <laughs> way, absolutely chocker, and, of course, you've got Google Maps on, right, and yeah. it's telling you what to do. There, it gives you updates on traffic congestion. So it'll say, uh, new traffic congestion, one and a half miles, um, suggest alternative routes, and then it it bangs off an alternative route, you know? And that can be quite convoluted, but it works it out. But what I noticed is that there are so many people with Google Maps that the alternative route (laughs) has been told to everyone. So the alternative route becomes congested. Then it then it cascades down to another alternative route. So it goes on. It's interesting. So the advantage you think you get is not actually there because there are too many users. That's when you think, okay, well, I'm going to completely ignore the alternative route suggestion, betting on that other people will take it and you carry on. So the route that you originally had that was congested now gets freed up. Well, there was one which took us up a hill to Mulholland Drive, which is quite a famous um, roadway there. And it was like a little back street, yet it was absolutely chocker. Mm. And I thought there's yeah. only one reason why this is so chocker, you know. Because and that people was, told you to go that way. Exactly, but enough people to. So that was an interesting observation. Um, it, had, it had got, uh, it, was, it was mass appeal, you know, mass appeal. Two more items. Um, one's by um, regular correspondent Anthony. He says, uh, I heard you talking about the trip to the US and the fingerprinting. Retinal photography was mentioned. It reminded me of the time I was at an optometrist many years ago for updating my glasses, as in replacing, not a prescription software update. But wouldn't that be an interesting concept? Anyway, I saw a sign in there for retinal photography for $20 for spotting any further problems. I just saw that and thought they would be cool in A4 size frames on the wall. I paid the $20 and got them to give me a copy of both left and right eye retinal photographs and then got them printed and framed for our lounge area. During a visit from the Hawke's Bay, my grandmother was sitting in our lounge and suddenly noticed the retinal photographs side by side on the lounge wall and asked what they were. 
bearing in mind, these are huge zoomed-in photographs showing round shapes with all the veins, etc. I answered with a straight face, oh, uh, mum, got a mammogram. She completely lost it. Took a while for her to calm down from hysterics, and we explained about the retinal photography. On a side note, I have one of them autographed on the back by the New Zealand comedian Gish, but that's another story. Okay, and one more? Last one. So um, somebody has said, just seeing something that Stephen might be interested in, Adobe Acrobat has added an AI aspect today. When I opened a document, it told me I'm now beta testing of the AI support component. Quite concerning for me is the reports are private and medical files. I'd like to disable any AI functions. Now, I'm not too sure if you're using Adobe Acrobat, which is used for creating PDFs, or Adobe Acrobat uh, Reader, which you just use for reading them. If you um, want to use something that you can read PDFs with and um, potentially annotate them, if that's what you're doing, then you might want to look at um, using a free open source free open source tool called Ocular, O K U L A R. It'll run on pretty much everything. I think um, you might want to do that. It doesn't have any of the AI stuff in there. Okay, and um, have you seen just as an aside? Have you seen some of those videos, AI created videos? That have yes. been doing the rounds, and I think they're just created from text, right? So you describe what you want, is my impression, and some some incredible AI brain comes up with it. Um, some are better than others; they're all good. We we are at the tipping point now of not knowing what's real. Oh yeah, like Definitely, seriously, yeah. it's oh, a yeah. serious thing. Mm. Yeah, um, Adobe, um, I think, as Illustrator has. They've got a tool called um, Generative AI, and in the text box, you literally type what you want and draws it straight away. So if you're doing graphic design work, you type what you want, and in a second, poof, there it is. And I was reading about the way it's uh, computed, and it's it's really interesting. The um, the raw data, as it's put together, is is highly, I think they call it diffuse, Hmm. And it 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 kind of recalculates every pixel as it goes to the point where it goes from something that you can't make out at all. It's just sort of diffuse dots into a frame of, you know, a perfect picture. Um, it's scary, man. It's yeah, scary. It, it is. It's because you don't know how far this is going to go and, I mean, yeah, sure, it's a great tool and it's incredible how fast and accurate that it continues to get. But at the same time, you go, well, you know, um, the impacts this has um, as society adapts to these sorts of things. And it's worse than ever before because the speed by which it all occurs is difficult for anyone to keep up with. And if you don't keep up, you get left behind. Yeah. I wonder if we will become good as human beings in discerning AI-created images from r- real images. I wonder if there's any nuance that we're going to get good at uh, or set of nuances that we'll, we'll be able to pick up on that will determine it. Because if we if we don't, I could um, generate something, oh, an aeroplane's just crashed into a building in Auckland. Now, until people are on the ground... Mm. that will be taken as a real thing or some head of state is assassinated. There it is in full, right in front of you. 
It may never have happened. We might find out that it didn't happen. But in the meantime, the confusion and the the mis-dismal information, I mean, scared, like I said, it's scary. It's scary. It, it would give people yet another reason to turn their back on legacy media. Okay, well put. I was going to say, is it time for something lighthearted? Maybe we'll break it up. Maybe okay. we'll go lighthearted first and then we'll get back to the serious stuff. There used to be a website called dammyautocorrect.com whereby it was a treasure trove of conversations where autocorrect on your phone had changed what you wanted to type into something else, which completely changed the nature of the conversation. Okay. And usually this ended up with conversations that uh, um, took on very strong adult-themed conversations. So yep. I've come up – tried to find as best I could the ones that are the cleanest and fit for radio. So I thought we would read those out. Okay. Well, I, I've got them in front of me. So um, who's which character here? Okay. So if we start from the first one, if you read on the left and I'll read on the right. Okay. So here's the first one. Night, wifey. Good night, dead husband. Sweet dreams. <laughs> LOL, dear. OMG. Damn autocorrect, LOL. Ha ha, that would have been scary as beep. <laughs> LOL, I know. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing. Okay, good night, dead husband. <laughs> sorry, what now? <laughs> All right, here's another one. I think you start on this one. Yep. I'm heading to your place. I'll be there in 15. Can we eat first? I'm starving. And Applebee's just opened down the street from me. We can go get diarrhea there. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably really accurate, laughing so hard. LMAO, that is hilarious. Yeah, you're probably right. Pizza it is. Okay. <laughs> so what would have autocorrect dumped to put that word in, do you think? Dinner, uh, I suppose. Maybe dinner. Um, we can go and get dinner there. Instead, you can end up with diarrhea. Okay. Next one. <laughs> Next one. Hi, Jan. Are you coming to the meeting at four? I'll be there. Great. Please meet me in my office at 3.30 so we can have a brief cunnilingus beforehand. Excuse me? I, I have no words. I typed conference and my phone changed it. I'm so sorry. Wow. And that's the last bit of that conversation, text conversation. It, but I'd say wow, too. Uh, yeah. how, how on earth would it replace conference, which is a, quite a common use word with cunnilingus, which I don't think is as common anyway as conference. Well, I suppose it might depend upon the history of conversations that person has had before. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Based upon right. what you've typed before, this is what we think you mean on this occasion. Ah, uh, Yes, yes, the old machine learning. Okay, yeah. next, next one. Your mum and I are going to divorce next month. What? Why? Call me, please. I wrote Disney, and this phone changed it. We are going to Disney. That must have meant that, um, that uh, was it Dad? Um, must have, I don't know, talked about divorce in another text somewhere. Well, this emphasizes the importance of uh, checking your communications before you hit the send button. Exactly. Yeah, read it. Okay, <laughs> I start on this yep. one. Everything okay? Haven't heard from you in a few days. Yep. Sorry, Ma, I just came out of the closet. Oh, Matthew. i got to sound like Ma. Oh, Matthew, that is great. I always had a hunch. I love you no matter what. So does your father. Holy shite, I'm not gay, Ma. 
I meant coming out of the clinic now, autocorrect. Oh, I see. The real issue is you think I'm gay? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That would have been an awkward one later on anyway. Mm. Okay. 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 Um, you start on this one, I think. Jen and I are going skiing Saturday. Want to go? Feel free to inflate your girlfriend and bring her too. Question mark, question mark, question mark, huh? <laughs> In fight, laughing so hard. Sorry. That was way harsh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Inflate your girlfriend. Okay, and um, this last one, I think I'm mostly – in this one, yep. I know this may sound dumb, but is placenta considered a gluten? Was thinking of making that with chicken for when you are here. Placenta, like from a human? WTF? Oh my God, stupid spell check. Polenta. Can't stop giggling. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> the, the, the thing is that, that that might not be too far out for some. Anyway. No, indeed. Okay, so. Back yeah, to business. I, I can I can imagine what the ones we couldn't broadcast sort of sounded like. Yes, you'd kind of fall off your chair laughing a little bit. Yeah, all right. So back to the serious stuff. Um, I've noticed um, from about late last week, over the weekend, quite a bit of talk regarding cyber attacks and that sort of thing, pending attacks. Maybe uh, I think AT&T was, was mentioned. So... When that sort of talk starts uh, starts up, what's driving it, do you think? Well, depends on how you want to view things, right? There's there's the, um, you know, they're prepping us for what they're going to do. So when it happens, we can go, okay, yeah, it, it, it happened. And then, of course, the other thing is like um, uh, they say, okay, um, now that's happened, we need to completely change what we're doing. So now we need to... Um, completely change the way we do things and start using CBDCs and all this kind of stuff because we're going to introduce a problem and, look, we just happen to have our solution up our sleeve. So Haven't problem, we? reaction, solution. It's classic. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's classic. We um, we saw that starting off, you know, three and a half or so years ago, didn't we? We did. Um, and, and we didn't and then, like uh, it. We didn't like it. And, and then, you know, um, in the UK, mid-December, a variety of um, – uh, UK outlets, um, The Express, The Guardian, Politico, even Sky News, all reported pretty much on the same day how the UK would be vulnerable to such attacks. And, I th- and you know, upon reading that, um, I was reminded of an article I, I, I've kept, and it's from the Daily Mail, Tuesday, December the 5th, the year 2000. Oh, and the article was... Back a bit. Yep. It was. Um, the internet may be just a passing fad as millions give up on it. And the article says that researchers found that mil- millions were turning their back on the World Wide Web, frustrated by its limitations and unwilling to pay high access charges. They say that email, far from replacing other forms of communication, <laughs> is aiding yeah. to an overload of information. Experts from the Virtual Society Project, which published the report, say predictions that the internet would revolutionise the way society works have proved wildly inaccurate. Many teenagers are using the internet less now than previously, they conclude, and the future of online shopping is limited, Steve uh, Woodgear, director of the society, said. Well, that was 23-ish years ago. (laughs) That didn't age well. It did not age well, um, 
But at the same time, you go, well, if this does happen and you happen to be sitting on the couch one Saturday night watching reruns of the new adventures of Pippi Longstocking and all of a sudden a thought pops into your head and go, where's my data? If if I couldn't use the internet anymore, where's all my stuff? Could I function as a business? Have I, have I shoved it all in the cloud and now all of a sudden I can't get to anything because it's now with someone else? Um, where's all my photos? Whether they're for work, whether they're for family, and if you go, well, they're in my phone. Like, are they really in your phone, or is your phone simply a conduit to where they're stored in the cloud somewhere? Yeah. So, Pippi Longstocking. I just it just came in I, my head. I remember <laughs> that. I remember that TV series used to be on here, way back. Yeah, it was before my time. It just sort of randomly popped on my head. It was pretty wacky, actually. Was it? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I wonder where those people who wrote that are now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that article was written by um, a fellow called James Chapman, who was the science correspondent for the Daily Mail back then. An expert. All right. Um, now, this story is interesting because I see the Irish um, have been, or a company in Ireland has has been sort of roped in or given the job of, policing the Digital Services Act in uh, Europe. And um, uh, we have uh, Ivor Cummins come on the show, and he's been keeping us up to date kind of with that. And it's not a surprise that Ireland are there because they, they're good at that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the story? Privacy companies push back against EU plot to end online privacy. They want to, I'm reading the headline here, from Reclaim the Net, uh, Reclaim the Net, yeah that the EU wants to end the ability to communicate privately. So pick up on that. So a whole bunch of organisations have said, um, yeah, this isn't cool. About 18 organisations, which are predominantly um, providers that provide um, encrypted email and messaging services, have voiced their concerns to the European Commissioning and um, singling out the alleged detrimental effects on children's privacy and security with the possible dire repercussions for cybersecurity. So um, it's, you know, it's the old, uh, we're doing this to protect the children, and that's that's the sell. And, of course, no one wants anything bad to happen to kids. But no. at, the, at the end of the day, you know, that's the selling point, so that you go, oh, okay, yeah, okay, they're doing it to protect kids, so we'll just let them do whatever. But a lot of people can actually see this for what it really is, because it is... Um, about putting back doors into systems so that governments and their cronies can basically look at anything about anyone on any system they, they like. And if they can, they will. And if they can, they will. And if we don't say, uh, no, you're not doing that, that's not cool. Um, that's one of the many things that we absolutely need to push back on because we're so far down this road that doing a U-turn is expensive and probably not even possible and yeah, they, yeah they, that, that's the problem though isn't it getting getting enough pushback that's the problem and trying to get that well a part of the solution is you know airing it and having the conversation and go well True. this is what they're doing and then like well tell them no and then also choose um technologies that provide um or respect your uh privacy in the first place yeah yeah. Um, oh dear. I, I don't. I, I'm so pessimistic about this. You know, can't help it. 
a long time ago, um, how would you describe him? Um, he's a Canadian. Uh, he writes children's uh, or teenage stories. And he did a very cool talk a long time ago about the war on computing. And this is effectively what it is because the computer is now so ubiquitous in many forms in daily life, whether it's running the electronic fuel injection in your car or it's providing email or bringing you content on your TV or whatever it is, it's ubiquitous with everything that we do. And so the uh, Europe, um, European Commission want to implement things like client-side scanning. So even if encryption, for example, isn't compromised, um, technically speaking, it still kind of is because if they can see what you're sending before you've sent it down an encrypted channel, then encryption might as well be dead. So don't yeah. use so don't use technologies that endorse that kind of stuff. So this is why using um, degoogled op operating systems and free open source solutions like Linux instead of the mainstream choices um, are going to be what liberates us because technology was supposed to liberate us in the first place, but instead it's been used as a as a tool, a utility, a weapon to to enslave and. Yeah. Most of us have been asleep at the wheel while this has been going on. That's the problem from what I can see. Yeah. But you're right. At least we're talking about it. Okay. I think we've got through everything, haven't we? Um, mostly, although there was, uh, following on from uh, Proton um, earlier on, so oh, yeah. yep. my reservations with Proton are still that um, in their transparency reports, which if you scroll down to the bottom of their webpage, you can you can see information about it. And year after year, these go up and up and up and up and up. What I say when I say that, what goes up is the number of uh, pushbacks Proton has had for organisations that want information on users, but at the same time, also the information they've given up about their users. So they have been known um, reputationally as um, a very secure and trustworthy group, but many things have been written to the contrary, like they have a annual fundraiser which supports a wide range of organisations. Um, one dubious one is called Bellingcat, which um, receives funding from a variety of sources, one of which is from something called the National Endowment for Democracy. Uh -huh. uh, Warning. Or, or, or NED, which is a CIA front NED. group. Yeah, NED. I work for Ned. Okay. <laughs> and it's not Ned Flanders. No. And apparently they sort of, you know, um, some of these organisations are indeed um, nominated by the community and Bellingcat was one, but they didn't sort of do their groundwork in finding out what Bellingcat were all about. In addition to this, um, back in, um, you know, when was it? I think it was 2021, uh, Wired magazine reported about a change in their uh, policy, their terms and conditions, um, saying that they didn't log. In fact, it originally said, quote, by default, we do not keep any IP logs which can be linked to your anonymous email account, end quote. Um, and then a change to, quote, ProtoMail is an email that respects privacy and puts people, not advertisers, first, end quote. So, Critics were basically saying that 
um, were wondering if Proton's privacy forward marketing was misleading due to security weaknesses and encryption difficulties that are naturally inherent to the nature of email. And the fact that they've, um, it is well known that um, Proton were um, involved with giving up the IP logs for a, a climate activist to Swiss authorities because um, the, I think, if I remember correctly, the French police were after this person. They went to Proton. Proton said no, so the French police went to the Swiss government. The Swiss government asked on their behalf and gave it up. Yeah, so they were lent on uh, yeah. Um, yeah. pretty heavily. I quite, to answer the listener's email um, a bit further, they said, what email provider do you like? I yep. quite like... Um, a German one called Posteo, that's P-O-S-T-E-O. They design their systems so that they don't even ask you for a phone number because I do. I know that Proton, for example, can do that. Um, you don't even have to provide any real information. Um, you just, well, that's how it should be, really. Yeah, yeah, so build the system so that you don't need to ask for this kind of private information in the first place so it makes it much easier to protect. I don't need yeah. to protect. I don't need to protect this person's all information because we never asked for it in the first yeah. place. Yeah, easy. Okay. What well, What's the name of that um, that email system again? Postio. Postio. That That's my personal favorite one. All right. Well, that was another interesting Tech Tuesday. Thank you, Stephen. You're welcome. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Thank you for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to or dislike what you're listening to, either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057, or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so connect with us today.